0: What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Afro Beats. Back at it again with the podcast. Uh, I haven't been here this week, but I still wanted to give you guys some value, some content. I recently did an interview with Fresh Aesthetic, which is a great podcast. Anything that has to do with culture, whether it's art, whether it's music, they got it for you. Go ahead and check them out on Anchor and follow them on Instagram as well. Show them some love. Uh, recently, I did an interview where we kind of talked about the origins of Afrobeats and how, you know, my vision of what I'm doing came to be. Uh, it's a great interview, great sit down talk. So I'm going to hook you guys up with that right here. Make sure you continue to listen out. I'll be back next week with our standard podcast. And I look forward to talking with you. Peace. Peace.
1: Hey, hey, Christian, what's going on, man?
0: What's going on, man? How you doing?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, so we got a little. I guess like we can edit it in, you know, after we record or whatever. So yeah, just so. just gonna kind of dip into it. Um, yeah, man, it's it's definitely good. I'm thankful. I'm happy you uh, decided to work with me on this. It's gonna be an interesting uh project, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I wasn't expecting collaboration, but uh, I'm glad we're doing this. I enjoy your stuff, so.
1: Thanks. I enjoy yours as well, man. I guess first off, I guess we'll we'll just dive into it. Um, let me give the little intro or whatever. Um mm-hmm. hey guys, welcome back, Culture Fresh Podcast. We're here with uh Christian from Afro Beats. Um hey Christian, welcome to the podcast. What's up, what's up? Yeah, so uh just jump right into it, man. What uh got you into the plant-based lifestyle? Uh
0: well I was in Boston for uh two years. And there was this entrepreneur there named Josh, and he had this business called uh, Fresh Truck. And basically, Fresh Truck was a way that distributed fresh produce to people who couldn't have access to it, in different types of food deserts. Food deserts being, you know, areas where people don't have uh, access to a lot of like fresh, you know, fruits and vegetables, um, so they eat um, cleanly. And so he started this company uh, where he converted buses into basically grocery stores wow. and that uh, I was just like super inspired by it uh, I started doing like I didn't even know like food deserts were like an issue because you know I kind of grew up in like the suburbs where you know grocery stores weren't super hard to get to it wasn't always the best but like at least you know I had access to them um, where I lived in Boston for two years I lived in you know areas that would be considered food deserts and I really saw how hard it actually was. So I got to see both sides of what it's like to have and what it's like not to have. And yeah. uh, that kind of led me down like a, a rabbit hole. And uh, I saw this TED talk um, for somebody called the Gangster Gardener. And uh,
1: this... is that the guy from uh, like the West Coast who is it like?
0: Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like the gardener. Doing...
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a documentary on him. Yeah, it was really interesting.
0: Yeah, he's he's a super uh, dope guy, and uh, I was just inspired. I had never seen anybody of color, um, you know, talk about gardening in that way. And just kind of at the end of the TED talk, he's basically like, I'll grow up, go out, and like grow some shit." And I was like, "Yeah, let's 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 do it. Why not?" Like, I figured it'd be like at least, you know, I grow a few herbs or something like that. I, I didn't think it would turn into what it is now.
1: So you grow your own stuff at home, or you just kind of dabble and try to buy as much plant-based stuff as you can.
0: Uh, I I grow actually grow um, some produce at home. Yeah, anything from uh, herbs to leafy greens to fruit-type vegetables like eggplants and tomatoes.
1: Oh, that's cool, man! Like I'm in Texas, so you know everybody has you know yards and properties a little more right, easily right. accessible accessible than you know other places. But we still have food deserts, like if you go like in, I'm in Houston in particular, so if you go to like certain areas in the city, like you can come across, you know, places that will sell produce and whatnot, but really, if you're, you know, of a lower financial bracket or whatever, it's harder to come across Mm -hmm. good quality produce or even produce at all. Like, you'll have the typicals, like stuff you can get at the grocery store, but it's always low quality or you don't know where it came from, all that stuff. So it's definitely good, like what you were talking about with the guy from Boston who did the the buses to go to the food deserts that's that's unique i've 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 heard about it briefly but not really that that deeply entailed like you saw it firsthand that had to be really cool
0: yeah we got to like go on the buses and everything and like yeah it was all like high quality i think it was basically like different fruits and vegetables but high quality that weren't being utilized and then kind of bought them wholesale and then kind of stacked the bus with everything so
1: okay so he'd like kind of just they grow in one place and then they'd put pack it on the bus and drive it to these areas and sell the yeah. produce
0: i think a lot of their like customers were like senior citizens because uh, a lot of them don't even drive anymore or aren't as mobile and you know they live if this was an urban area um that's that's also what kind of inspired me like being in an urban area um it can be even harder sometimes like at least if you have like a yard you can kind of grow your own food in the yard uh but when you're talking about growing it indoors and in a window, that takes it to a whole another level. So Yeah, it's
1: definitely tricky because, I mean, you got one place for sunlight to be coming in from versus right. having a yard where you got sunlight all around you. So, yeah, it is mm-hmm. tricky. That's really cool, though. But I mean, so what was your transitional transition from like, were you vegetarian when you found out about this or were you eating meat at the time and you just made the transition? <sighs>
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's it's like two different directions clashing at the same time. It was kind of like a fusion of ideas. So the the vegan thing uh, came from a dare. Actually, I was in a program at the time uh, when I was in Boston for the two years, and it was basically like a, a program where we went around and did service events, and uh, we would you know help community centers build gardens and. Um, Different things that just help the overall community. We would do schools, we would do murals, we would build. That
1: sounds dope. That sounds place. like you're really involved yeah. with the community a lot. That's really good.
0: Yeah, I, I tried to be. I definitely, as soon as I got out of college, started to get more involved. But basically, um, I'm like unknown, like any team or anything I've ever been on. I'm like unknown, like food junkie. Like I would pretty much eat like anything. Like when everybody like finishes their food and they got leftovers, I'd be like, oh, can I have that? Or like they'll be like Christian do you want this and you know I'll, I'll be that guy um but basically I was like we were talking for some reason it came out I don't know what brought it up but I was like oh I could be vegan for two weeks it doesn't seem that hard and they were like no you can't and uh I'm kind of like Marty McFly like when somebody says I can't do something I just have to like do it you know
1: that's so, cool like, though so that, that was the thing that that kind of pushed you in that direction
0: yeah so it pushed me in the direction and um so i did it for the two weeks and uh it was it i, I didn't know what i was doing. like i didn't know what i i realized i didn't even know what nutrition meant or what it means to eat like balance and so no i just struggled in general because i didn't even know like the basics i found out and uh it, a it lot life. of pe-
1: a lot of people who switch to plant based have that problem. Like we're so used to just eating whatever we get right. put
0: in front of us. Like
1: you don't have to be aware that you know certain types of foods hold certain values and you should eat those. Right. And, you know.
0: Yeah, I literally had to look up like the definition of like nutrition and find out like nutrition is basically like the health and like well being of the body. Like how does food help you protect against disease? How does it strengthen you? How does it allow you to grow? Like, that's basically what nutrition is. And I was, I started realizing I wasn't eating real food. Like, it just, there was no value. And they, in the community, we kind of say, like, if it's not helping you, then it's hurting you type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, if it's a whole saying value, that I've heard before. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just kind of how it got started. And then uh, I, figured, you know, i started growing things They kind of combined when I realized, oh, I have all this produce, I don't really know what to do with it, I better learn how to like cook and like really teach myself the basics of cooking and kind of make my own meals and do like that. Because when you're vegan, or plant based, you, you can't really rely on the outside, like cooking is like a very important part of that lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I tell people that all the time. Like I am I was vegetarian for over 10 years for a while. And then I was going through like an employment shift. I thought I was going to have to go working offshore. So I started eating meat again just because I figured I wouldn't have the food options like when I went to work offshore. So that kind of snowballed into me just eating meat all over again. So I've been transitioning back into the plant-based thing. And uh, one thing I tell people all the time is that just because you're eating something and it's it's vegetarian or, you know, seems like it's healthy, it may not be what you need. I mean, we do the same thing at, when people eat meat. They do the same thing. They eat all these things thinking that they give them all the nutrients they need. But most of the food we consume on a daily basis has got minimal nutritional value. Yeah, absolutely so it's crazy man but that's that's interesting that you the way you came about the uh, you know going vegan and stuff like that but um so do you have did you where you in the area you live in did you have trouble finding you know uh places that sold I don't know like organic produce or the more diverse types of produce that you were looking for so you could look at home
0: uh yeah it got a lot better um When I came back to D.C., I think D.C. is more receptive of, like, making sure people have access to good food. I mean, there's still food deserts, don't get me wrong, but I think that when, you know, Michelle Obama was in office, she really, like, paved the way for thinking about growing your own food and um, putting, you know, those resources in the community.
1: So she Um, really had that big of an impact in D.C.?
0: Uh, Yeah, definitely. Like, if you look in D.C., as soon as I came back home from Boston, there was, like, little gardens, like, everywhere. That's Um, dope. There's there's many, like, urban farms uh, available. Um, I can't speak for all areas, but I know at least in um, Northeast, um, there's plenty of areas. Like, all, like, the big cities outside of the um, D.C. area. Uh, they also have like farmer's markets. So farmer's markets are a big thing in D.C. As they were in Boston as well, but um, they're a little bit more available.
1: Really, they're more available in D.C. than Boston?
0: I I think so. I think, uh, weirdly, even though Boston is a closer city, the uh, farmer's markets are a little bit more spread out.
1: That's and crazy. Because they have are these like, little areas, like my ex- girlfriend used to live was from has family in Worcester, Massachusetts so mm-hmm. like right outside of Boston and we drove through that area and I'm looking like there it's a lot of green areas and things like that and you'd think more mm-hmm. people would
0: be up for Yeah, it's um, weird. They have like more green spaces in uh, Boston. I guess it, it depends. I, I would say they're more closer than anything. I Like I haven't been, I haven't lived all over Boston but I just know specific parts of Boston. It's kind of hard.
1: Yeah, I bet. And, I bet, yeah,
0: especially during the winter, because you know farmers markets, unless they have some kind of indoor situation, that's when it gets tough.
1: See, I guess that's the benefit of being in the Gulf Coast. Like we don't really have a winter per se, so yeah. most farmers markets have produce pretty much year round. I mean, of course, we have hard freezes and stuff where it makes it kind of scarce, but you can yeah. always get the produce, so we don't have it as bad. So I guess that's different. So what made you do the transition from? You know, living your life plant-based off of a dare, you know, and, and evolving your eating habits to actually doing the podcast and having the Instagram where you post the dishes you cook and showing your garden and stuff like that.
0: Um, mostly at first, it was just a way for me to like document. I just wanted to see what I was doing, what was working for me, especially um, the learning curve of actually growing food. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what you're doing, you kill a lot of stuff like very quickly. So I was seeing like, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? And then people just started to get interested and they started asking me questions about what I was doing in the garden. Um, same thing for eating like vegan. They're like just curious. They're like, what do you like eat? Like where do you get your protein from? That's like a big one. Um,
1: That's really cool because I mean just to give you, I don't I want to my age up, but I'm old. So like there's, there. there I graduated high school in '98. I was vegetarian from junior, sophomore, junior year of high school up until my mid twenties, wow. and that whole time, it, especially in the '90s, it was tough because now it's like it's it's more accepted. You can do more research. There are more yeah. people doing it. It's it's just generally more of a of an ease of a transition to get into it. Whereas when me and my friends were going about doing it, it was kind of like trial and error. We had a couple restaurants we knew served all vegan cuisine that we can go and eat. Most Mm -hmm. of the time when you're eating at home, you would, like, when I was in school, like, my mom cooks food and stuff. i go to my family for Thanksgiving, and, like, some of my aunts would cook dishes that just were just for me. So I would not have to starve during the holidays and stuff. So It's just different, like the whole way things go nowadays. It's it's really good. Don't get me wrong, but just that, yeah, but. coming from that era where you really had to be pretty determined to stick with it, where now it's relatively easy. I mean, even there's even like what vegan junk food like that's oh, crazy. Yeah. To me. Like I used to like a tofu ice cream. I don't even know if they still make it anymore. That shit was on ice cream. Tofu, um, it's called tofu. Tofu
0: yeah. ice cream. Okay. And yeah, I think it's,
1: I think it's vegan. I'm not sure, but that shit was amazing. It was light and and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, was... that's that's one of the things um, you know that's crossed well over to the the vegan world is the ice cream is actually pretty solid. And there's a lot of like like you said junk food, um, which I'm kind of worried about honestly because I feel like people are just gonna substitute one bad thing for another bad thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's what I'm, that's what kind of point I was getting at. It was like, yeah. why are you gonna have? Junk food available in a lifestyle that's, for the most part, promoting health.
0: Hmm. So I should tell you the difference between being vegan and plant-based because it's a, it's kind of a difference. There's a big difference there. So vegans are, it's, it's more of a lifestyle uh, change. It's it has yeah, they don't even
1: use to... leather. There's no dairy or anything like that. But right. go ahead, It's, and it, it's list.
0: animal products. Period. So like they don't, you know, if they have like lotions or soaps and toothpaste they don't use that it has animal products in it um what plant-based i feel is just you choose not to eat animal products Mm -hmm. um but you're also i think that when people say plant-based they're a little bit more conscious um in how they eat uh, as far as health in their body i think plant-based people think about you know what's in the actual product because there's like like, technically, like, too much soy is like bad for you. So, like, yeah, it's
1: very bad for you.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't, I try to stay away from soy as much as possible. I have it like every now and then, but it's it's basically like plastic. Like, there's not too much like nutritional value in soy. It's it sorry, does have, yeah. it has benefits, but uh, I just think like if I can't like grow it in like its rawest form, then I probably shouldn't eat it. There's the, uh, there's a guy in the community called Dr. Sebi has this quote um, that if the earth don't make it, don't take it. So, like, you can't see it naturally growing out of, you know, the ground or being produced off a tree or something like that. Like, it's probably not, like, the best you.
1: That's true. Dr. Sebi also, what did he say? Like, have a seed, don't eat it. Um, there are certain foods that as vegetarians and vegans like that, are kind of staples because of the nutritional value. Right. And according to Dr. Sebi, they're not even good to eat because they aren't gen- genetically modified in like the typical sense, but over time they were modified to be a certain way, like what cauliflower and broccoli. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Forget I forget their th- mothers. Was just, I was just getting ready to say that uh, cauliflower and broccoli are two things that were like genetically created. Apparently, they, you, you can't find um, broccoli and cauliflower really growing out in the wild anywhere. yeah
1: like where'd they get it from i'll kind of want to research that to see like the origins of those two you know what
0: you know what's surprising uh that's another one um corn is uh genetically um yeah the corn
1: we all eat is very genetically modified like typically corn is not even yellow it's got all the kernels are all different colors it's not the soft succulent thing that we're all used to having like
0: Right, it's different. different. So I did some research on it um, because I was like doing like a brief history of corn uh, for one episode of my podcast, and apparently corn is like bred from this plant called teosinte, which is like um, like a like a form of corn, but it's a lot harder and it's a lot thicker in skin. And I guess over years they like paired um, different teosinte plants that had um, kind of that trait that creates the corn. And that's kind of how like they got corn. So I think that's how they take different plants and they say, Oh, I like this characteristic of the plant. I like this characteristic of the plant. And they take those characteristics and kind of like fuse them together and get these Yeah, and they
1: kill off the ones that don't have those traits. Kinda like they do with uh dog breeds and shit like that, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, it's exactly it's like dog breeding. Breed. Exactly.
1: That's crazy. Just to think that, like, you know, there's all these foods and these cool things that we eat that are essentially genetically modified. I was at a we have this grocery store here in Houston called the H-E-B, and yeah. it's a real big chain all over Texas, but it's it's all over here. But they have a great little health food section and uh, they had these uh, plum cots, they called them. Yeah it was like a hybrid of like i guess a plum and apricot and then there was another one that was like plum apricot and something else and they're like just in the grocery store like go ahead and try them and i'm like i got them (laughs) but i mean the whole time i was having like a moral dilemma while eating i'm like what the hell am i eating like i don't even know like that that's the crazy thing like go ahead
0: I was just going to say it's, it's hard, man. You, you have no idea. Like there's always like new research coming out for something and you like, Oh, I didn't even know I was eating this. Like, in my opinion, like it can kind of come off bad as like the community is being like, uh, like very strict and everything like that. And like, they don't let you eat anything, but like I say, everything in moderation, including like moderation, like obviously I choose not to eat anything that it has animal products, but when it comes to things that are like, you know, genetically like altered every now and then is fine. I do like an 80-20 rule, like 80% whole grain foods uh, and then 20%, you know, processed foods and that usually keeps it, you know, under control. It's
1: kind of like picking your battles. We live in a country where it's like damn near everything we do is, you know, exploitive of something or someone. It's crazy to think about so it's like even in eating our eating habits and stuff you kind of have to be aware of what we're doing what we're eating because different foods and like even like things that say all natural on the label aren't really all natural like I remember when I first started being vegetarian back in the day I used to read the ingredients on every container and stuff like that just to it kind of trained me to be more aware of what I was putting in my body like I learned like things like diglycerides that's animal-based there's different things that we we look at on the ingredient list and we don't think much about but it turns out there's more to it so that's that's the thing that i think the plant-based lifestyle even more so vegan lifestyle helps people do is like just be aware of what they're putting in their bodies i think even if you're not full-time like you said everything in moderation including moderation so even if you're not full-fledged with the whole plant-based or vegan lifestyle just being aware of what you're consuming is right. very
0: important and that goes a long way as far as helping with the environment like the, the something some things I don't like about the vegan um, community is that they're very harsh to people who are transitioning they're like it's either all or nothing and like that's just not how people work like everybody's journey is different and yeah
1: some of them are critical of other people
0: very critical and I think it's it could be kind of like cultish. I think everybody wants to belong to something and uh, it gives them a sense of like pride to like belong to this thing, but it could also be a little bit of like arrogance and it is not welcoming to, you know, people who are just trying to figure it out. You know, it's, it's easier to turn somebody who's on the fence than to turn somebody who's just like, no, like I, I don't want to do it. And, and people attack the people who are on the fence, like they're the, the people who just say no, you know?
1: Yeah, you can't get mad or upset with someone for trying to learn and just because they don't understand yet, it's your job as somebody who's on the other side trying to get them there to educate them and make sure that they go about it the right way.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But that's just one of those things. But yeah, man, it's it's good that you do that. I mean, it's I honestly was like it was a big draw when I first checked out your podcast, like that you were the content you were doing and then you were a person of color talking about the plant based thing, because absolutely. that's that's brand new. Like, yeah. oh, like I yeah. said, being coming up in the nineties and choosing to be vegetarian back then, I don't think you understand the hell I caught from everybody, yeah. <laughs> like family, friends, all kind of people were like, hey, where do you, what do you eat? Like, right. if you don't eat meat, that was the biggest question. What do you eat? Like mm-hmm. I eat food. But it's not that difficult. <laughs>
0: yeah. It was, <laughs> it was definitely a shock to my family as well. Um, but yeah, you're, you're pretty much a pioneer because I think it like the, the whole movement kind of started in the 80s, maybe even a little bit before, and then it really didn't get, you know, starting to roll until now. Um, it definitely is. I had a teacher 80s. in
1: high school who was vegetarian since the 70s, or that's what he said. Wow. Like he was never in his class. But a yeah. buddy of mine really looked up to him and like had him as a teacher in high school. Mm-hmm. And he was- He was a real conscious black dude. He was was real, like, you could tell he wasn't the typical, atypical person. Like, he was on, his mind worked a little differently. He wasn't on the typical bullshit. So seeing him do it and then already being on the page and coming across that teacher really kind of let me know I was on to something because he, you know, it's just kind of like that reassurance. Yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah, sure. And even now, like, there are people who are so stuck in their ways that they don't want to even look outside the box and think that maybe the way we've been doing things for however many years could be wrong. Oh,
0: yeah. And it's a rabbit hole, man. Like, once you start learning about this, you're like, what else are they lying about? And it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. That's why you got to, like, you know, take care of yourself and self-care because there's a lot of mess out here. Um, a lot. A gotta, whole lot. You just got to be willing to listen.
1: I think that's the case for everybody. I think that's that's really, uh, especially in this climate we got where everybody's really divided and separated. It's like, if everybody just took the time to listen and understand, maybe you under, you would appreciate that person's perspective, maybe even agree with some of the things they think about or they feel about certain things. That goes for eating and everything else. So, you know, it's just, it's interesting. It's really interesting how, like you said, the rabbit hole happens. One thing brings you into this way of thinking, and then you start to question different other things. And next right. thing you know, you're educating yourself on a whole lot of different things, right? Like, a lot of people don't know about Dr. Sevy, and it's unfortunate that he passed away because he was really on to something. Like,
0: yeah, I don't know. I um, he, I'm sorry, I, I was gonna oh, say go ahead I didn't, on Dr. Sevi. I didn't know, I don't know if you know, this is a music podcast. That, um, are you familiar with Nipsey Hussle? Oh, yeah. Okay, so Nipsey Hustle is apparently going to be doing a documentary soon on Dr. Seppi.
1: Yo, Nipsey is the MVP, man. He does so much shit, but I didn't know he was going to do a documentary on Dr. Seppi. You know, he's, yeah. uh, I want to say his dad is Ethiopian or something like that.
0: That makes sense. I can see that.
1: Yeah, he's, 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 his dad is actually from Africa, but uh, either way, it's definitely interesting, like that, you know, different people are, are getting tuned in. It's like, I guess, you find out about certain things you get on and and la is a whole different animal by itself so we're not going to talk about that but like they have oh, a whole they've been health conscious and like afrocentric at the same damn time for forever oh, yeah. like that's big la like i don't know if you're familiar with like project bloat and all that old school rap shit no. but they had a real movement there of like conscious rap and i think a lot of them were vegetarian and shit like that It's it's interesting LA is a whole crazy place. I've never been, but I want to go. Man, That place is awesome. Absolutely, cool. So, the podcast and your and your uh and your Instagram, you, you originally did it to you know just kind of make notes and kind of track your progress, but now that you're kind of in deep, I guess relatively deep into it, do you get a lot of people that give you suggestions or you know feed off of what you do in a, in a way where you can exchange? Is to kind of evolve your process.
0: Yeah, I'm on uh, pretty much every main platform, so I'm I'm getting a lot of good feedback. Um, people like you know ask me about different recipes, you know where I come out with the ideas, and it, it kind of stems um, from connecting food and culture. And uh, I yeah. think that's why what made me track to your class because like. I'm, I'm really passionate about food, like the process of growing it and like it becoming the meal and getting it from the garden to the table. And then I'm also passionate about culture. That's why my tagline is um, garden to table culture inspired by soul and culture. Um, so I really wanted to use food as a connection to the past and to be able it to is. Yeah. it really is. It truly is. And it's, it's amazing what I've already like found out. Like I'm, this week's podcast is going to be about okra because um, one of my recipes this week is going to be gumbo. And
1: if you make a vegan gumbo, bro, I'm from Louisiana, you hear me? So if you figure that out, bro, I, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. It's coming, bro. Sure. It's coming. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, gumbo is a big thing where I'm from. So, you know. Yeah, man. <laughs> and okra, too, okra is a big thing like that's like a staple like
0: oh yeah that's a deep deep south staple but i didn't even know like the history behind behind it and how it came from like west africa like and like some some seeds came over through like the hair of like slaves and like there's so much history about it and people don't even know they're just like what is this like gross like slimy vegetable and they don't even realize like that slime is what makes you know your stews and like soups so good and like thick and like rich and yep. it's, it's crazy
1: watermelon is the same thing though
0: yeah yeah man watermelon is originally
1: from africa it's not native to anywhere i mean there are melons similar you know, all over the world but specifically watermelon if i'm not mistaken is from africa mm-hmm. and i don't know how it got here but i'm assuming it's affiliated with the slave trade somewhere
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah, you're absolutely right about the history and food. Like when back in the day, when I was first doing vegetarianism in high school, we used to skip school and go because my high school is in like an area of Houston that has a lot of uh, Indian food and Indian restaurants and rest and stores and things like that. So, and I had a couple buddies who were from Pakistan and India, so they were like, man, let's go here. They got a whole vegetarian. Box. So we go gorge ourselves on like these Indian cu- cuisine, like palak paneer. Um, I forget the one with the chickpeas and stuff like that. It was really like kind of a culture shock because where I'm from, we don't have any of that. But yeah. being vegetarian definitely helped me get exposed to other cultures and appreciate what they had to offer. For Sure. So I definitely see how the the cultural link is is important with knowing you know how stuff interrelates because. America is the melting pot. I like to think of it as more of a sponge because we just soak up everything and we often forget where that all comes from.
0: Right, we just take it for granted. Yeah,
1: like forgetting that there's this rich history, rich culture behind it we just use it. Like everything from like what Italian ice to like you know, things that we don't even think about like lemonade. You know, the history behind lemonade I think is it was literally invented by slaves. Like nobody wanted lemon. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's it's definitely cool to see uh you giving that perspective and incorporating the history and the yeah. cultural side of
0: it. And it it really, really connects us together because I didn't even realize how before there, you know, foods now, you like Korean and like Mexican mixing and like natural fusions going on. Like when you even think about the dish of gumbo, like you have okra in there. Uh, you have uh affiliate powder, which is like a saffron leaf crushed up, yep. and then you have um, there's an oh, oh root, which is like a French like thickening agent
1: yeah that's and, that's the root of all gravy, yeah you know, root is basically what gravy comes from. you brown your flour to whatever point you want to get it, and then you add whatever amount of water for the thick that's yeah. French cuisine
0: and we didn't even like we didn't even like know about this stuff but like our all our cultures are like deeply intertwined and through food you can learn more about that
1: and appreciate those cultures it's like exactly what you were saying it's 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 the uh it's the bridge to to get everybody to understand each other you know definitely really cool man so um where can people reach you? you say you're on A lot of social media just let the folks know like the different platforms you're on and how to check out what you're doing
0: yeah i'm on um instagram you can follow me at afro underscore beats i'm on twitter at afrobeats i'm also on facebook the real afrobeats um i'm on musically i got a youtube channel that i just started
1: how's Um, that going
0: it's it's going slowly i'm 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 learning so many skills at once right now the the gardening and the cooking is already some skills but then you know when you're trying different platforms you got to do the video editing and so that's I, the I, thing
1: that's tricky with podcasts and yeah. YouTube is like the the mm-hmm. equipment required to do it is crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's crazy too because I didn't start off on like one platform I started off with like all the platforms at the same time. So I'm yeah, still just trying like, to figure out yeah, like what works for me. Like, I, I think I want to continue doing every platform, but I obviously will put more effort into more than others. Instagram I think has brought me the most success so far, just because it's a little bit uh, less of a learning gap. Um, yeah, but yeah, I got some videos up there. I typically do garden tutorials and um, cooking tutorials as well, with a little bit of vlogging. So that's definitely you know going to be up there soon.
1: Cool man. Well, thank you for your time, man. It's great talking to you, man. I'm sure a lot of people uh, will appreciate what you're bringing to the table. Oh, I got one more question. I'm sorry Sure, go ahead. But like, all right, I just something I wanted to ask you early on. I just completely forgot to do it. But um, like, in you did you notice when you went from eating meat to going plant based to being vegan, like? the difference of how even when you're full you're still lighter on your feet and how the meat weighs you down
0: oh yeah absolutely like it's crazy that when i did my first two weeks and i was doing that bet like even though yeah. i didn't know what i was doing and i would be a little bit hungry sometimes because you eat more when you're um plant-based um yeah you have to yeah it's just so much more i felt so incredibly light i felt like happier like it, it was incredible It's it's been life-changing for sure
1: that's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad we could talk and, and put your perspective out there, man. I hope everybody goes and checks out Afro Beats, man. You're doing a great thing, and I definitely appreciate you coming to talk with me. Um, Well, we'll wrap it up right there, man. Thank you, man.
0: All right, man. Thanks a lot.
1: Good talking to you, bro.
0: You too. Peace.